Good morning, Wellspring Church. My name is Brian Weber, and I am the executive minister for Converge Mid-Atlantic. Uh, Converge Mid-Atlantic is a, a family, a movement of churches that goes from New York to South Carolina, and we work together to start new churches and to strengthen churches. And Wellspring is a part of our family. I remember three years ago when Wellspring Church got started there in Tom's River, and I'm really exciting, excited for you. Uh, Wellspring is, is one of our uh, success stories. You guys are doing a fantastic job. I know this is a strange time. Uh, right now, many of you are watching this uh, service on your computers uh, because of the of the pandemic and other crises that have been happening in our culture and uh, some of you will be outside on Sunday morning in the parking lot it's just a pleasure for me to be here with you uh, Pastor Jason has been doing a great job and you're blessed to have him and I encourage you to support him as best as you can and work alongside of him to be a really vibrant church in Tom's River. When I was talking with Pastor Jason, he told me that you were doing a sermon series this fall called Starting Point, that at different times throughout the Bible, God is doing something new, and it's a good idea from time to time to uh, look at these critical passages in the story of the Bible and to reflect on the new thing that God was doing. God was doing something new then. He is doing something new now. He has a plan to rescue the world. And this plan includes you and it includes me. So today we're gonna look at another one of those starting points in the Bible. But before we do, I wanna ask you a question. Do you need to hear some good news this morning? I mean, honestly, this year has been filled with a lot of bad news. We've experienced one crisis after another crisis after another crisis. You know, there is the pandemic, and then uh, businesses and, and schools had, had to shut down. My kids are, are still doing uh, learning from home, you know, right now. And, and then there's wildfires, and there's hurricanes, and uh, there are uh, protests, and some of the protests get violent, these protests over uh, racial equality and justice. And all of these things are filled with conflict and trauma, and we are exposed to them, this bad news, all of the time. A study in 2015 reported that 65% of all adults are using social networking websites on their cell phones, that we are looking at these cell phones all of the time. And I don't know about you, but um, my phone has become my primary source of news. And, and with news apps and uh, the 24-hour news cycle and notifications, I mean, we are literally bombarded with bad news all day long. But news isn't just like, it's not just something that's in our phone. You know, it affects us personally. And, and all of us have been affected in different ways. A, a friend of mine from college is an intensive care doctor in New York City. And a few months ago during the, the worst part of the pandemic, he, he witnessed with his own eyes, you know, hundreds of people who died every day in New York City. 
And how have the last few months been for you? You know, maybe you have lost a loved one or more. Maybe you lost your job and you're having trouble paying your bills. Maybe things are difficult for you at home with your family. This year has been filled with a lot of bad news. Don't we need to hear some good news this morning? A few months ago, there was this uh, series of videos on YouTube called um, Some Good News. Did you watch any of it? John Krasinski is an actor. He, he's famous for uh, portraying the character Jim Halpert in the hit TV show, The Office. And uh, he was stuck at home, you know, like all of us were. And uh, John decided to use his, his uh, creative acting skills to produce a, a lighthearted news program from, from his home office. And he would focus on... Uh, only on good news stories. And so people started sending videos to him from all over the world, uh, videos of people helping other people. And, uh, and he would show these videos. And, and uh, he show, his show celebrated people coming home uh, from the hospital and being reunited with their family. Uh, he became licensed in the state of Massachusetts to perform a wedding ceremony, which he did for, for two people online. Uh, he had the cast from Hamilton surprise a young girl with a song. He even interviewed astronauts from the International Space Station. Uh, there were only eight episodes, but for 15 minutes every week, we could watch, on all, and this went viral, Americans everywhere were watching just good news and, and I loved it. I loved watching it. It would make me laugh. It would make me cry. Because something happens within us whenever we receive truly good news. We need it. It prompts us to respond in positive ways, both for our own well-being and also for the well-being of others. And did you know that as followers of Jesus, we have the very best good news of all. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter two. That's gonna be our text today, Acts two, uh, verses 14 through 41. The book of Acts is the, it tells the story of the, the very beginning of the Christian church. It was the starting point for the Christian faith. And in Acts chapter one, Jesus is still with the disciples. This is after his life and ministry, and we see that story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus lives, he has his ministry, he dies, he raises from, from the dead. And when we get to Acts, he is spending time with the disciples after the resurrection, and with all of his followers, we see here that there's a group of about 120 people who are de devoted followers of Jesus, and it includes men and women and the remaining 11 disciples. Remember that Judas, who betrayed Jesus, he's no longer with them, so there are only 11 disciples left. And then it says that Jesus gave them many convincing proofs that he was actually alive, and then he said to them, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and wait because I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit. And then this amazing thing happened. While his followers were watching, Jesus um, lifted off the ground and ascended into heaven. And the disciples went to Jerusalem and they waited. 
Now, 50 days after Passover, uh, Jesus died and rose again during the celebration of Passover, which we, we call, in our Christian calendar, we call Easter. And, and 50 days after that, there is another Jewish holiday called the Feast of Weeks. And uh, we use in our Christian calendar, and you see it in the scripture there, we use the word Pentecost, which means 50 days later. And so people from all over the world came to Jerusalem to celebrate the holiday, and the uh, followers of Jesus were also there. And then what was happening at that moment, something amazing happened. The, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and, and it fills and it rests upon and it fills the, the, the followers of Jesus while they're sitting at the room, in a room during this holiday and the scripture says it looks like there's fire sitting on their shoulders and then miraculously, uh, the followers of Jesus are able to speak other languages that they didn't know before and they go out into the streets and they start telling everybody about Jesus and people who came from other countries were hearing these things in their own language and they're amazed by it and they're wondering what in the world is going on here and then there were some skeptics who said, well, these, the, don't pay attention to them, they are only drunk. And it's at this moment that we pick up our text. In Acts chapter two, verse 14, it says this, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live here in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. You see, the people are curious. They're seeing this amazing thing happen in front of them, these people talking in all these different languages, telling them about Jesus, and they're curious. So Peter, filled with the Spirit of God, uses this opportunity to share with everyone the good news of Jesus. And in Acts chapter two, verses 14 through 41, Peter shares the good news of Jesus for the very first time. And the message about Jesus is the very best kind of news that the people needed to hear that day in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And it is still the very best kind of good news that we need to hear today. And why is that? Well, let's look at Peter's sermon and find out together. First, I want you to see that the good news is for everyone. Look what it says in verse 16. Uh, Peter says to the crowd, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, Peter begins by, by quoting a passage from the Old Testament. This is Joel chapter two, verses 28 through 31. So the prophet Joel lived 800 years before Jesus. And Peter explains to the crowd what they are seeing right in front of them at that moment is a fulfillment 
of this prophecy, that this was all part of God's plan. In biblical history, whenever God intervenes into the, the events of the world, the Hebrew people called it the day of the Lord. And the Hebrews were looking forward to a specific day of the Lord when the Messiah would come. And the Messiah would establish the kingdom of God on earth and God's people would experience justice and righteousness and victory over evil. That this was the good news that, that the Jewish people were looking forward to for centuries. And Peter says here in Acts 2 that that day had arrived. According to the prophet Joel, this was the proof of it. God would pour out his Holy Spirit onto people, both men and women, and they would prophesy. See, the good news is not just for Jewish people who, who had the Old Testament scriptures. The good news was not just for men in their male-dominated society. Salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit would be for everyone. And this was a radical idea at that time. I mean, just look how, how emphatic Peter is about it when he quotes Joel. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And verse 21 says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to all of the followers of Jesus. All, you know, there's about 120 of them, both men and women. And suddenly they're filled with the spirit and they're given this miraculous um, ability to speak different languages and they all go out into the street and they start telling everyone about Jesus in different languages. They openly share the teachings of Jesus with the crowds. And this is evidence that the good news is for everyone. There is no discrimination in God's family. Salvation is for adults and children. It's for men and women. It doesn't matter where you come from or what language you speak. Jesus is bringing people together by faith into one family of God. And this is great news for today because the world that we live in right now is becoming increasingly divided. Don't you feel that? You know, people today feel like they need to be in one group or another, and they're constantly fighting and arguing with each other. And we see this spill out into the streets with protests. We see it in social media. We see it in politics. And unfortunately, we see it far too much in our churches. And the apostles warn us in the Bible to beware of people who divide us. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. And one of the most divisive issues in our culture today is racism. 
Racism is this, this terrible but powerful idea that, that people should separate themselves because of the, the, their ethnicity or the color of their skin. And, and racism actively works against the gospel and true followers of Christ should reject racism wherever we see it. Because you see the good news of Jesus brings people together through faith. The Bible uses this word reconciliation. It urges us to be reconciled to God. And then it says we ought to be reconciled to one another in the church as one family of God. The good news is for everyone. It's for you, it's for your neighbor. No one is excluded from God's love. In Acts chapter two, Peter shares the good news of Jesus for the first time. And first we see that the good news is for everyone. And second, the good news is that Jesus brings hope to a broken world. Peter begins to speak more specifically about Jesus. In verse 22, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You know, in this, in this part of his sermon, Peter shares four basic truths of the gospel message. And the first one is this, that God has a plan. And God loves the world and he has a plan to rescue the world and that plan involved Jesus and involved his death and his resurrection. This plan involves you. He has a plan for your life. And Peter explains that God is the main character of the story. Look in verses 22 and 23. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Jesus' death was not an accident. He was not a good man who had a tragic end. No, this was part of God's plan. God loves you, people matter to him, and we are part of God's plan. But there's a big problem. Peter says that people are wicked and that we do selfish and evil things. Look in verse 23, he says, you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. So so here Peter, says that the crowds are responsible for killing Jesus. And uh, how, how is that? How, how does that happen? I mean, maybe some of the people who were in the crowd that day were part of the mob that killed Jesus, but certainly not everyone. Most of the people that were there were, were travelers from other countries who came to Jerusalem for the festival. So how does Peter say you are responsible 
for killing Jesus. What does he mean when he says, you put him to death? Well, the Bible teaches us that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. The word sin means wrongdoing or evil deed. You know, later in the Bible, Peter, Peter writes, Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You see, the Bible is clear, and we know this too. Nobody is perfect. We all do things that are wrong. And because everyone does what is wrong, all of us are guilty of killing Jesus by nailing him to the cross. But, and verse 24 begins with the word but, and it's a wonderful word here. Peter says, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. And this is the next part of the gospel message. Jesus was on a mission to rise again and defeat the power of sin and death. And to prove his point here, Peter again will quote a passage from the Old Testament. This time it's Psalm chapter 16 written by King David. And Peter says in verse 30, in your text there, it says that David, he explains that David was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him that one day one of his descendants would sit upon his throne as the the Messiah. So David wrote this about Jesus a thousand years before Jesus lived. In verse 25, it says this, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You see, Jesus knew that God the Father was with him all the time during his ministry. He knew that he was sent on a mission from God. And so Jesus voluntarily allows himself to die on the cross because he knows that God will raise him from the dead, that that was the plan, that was the purpose. The resurrection is a historical fact and so much has been written about it. We have these eyewitness accounts that have never been refuted. And Peter says this, he says to the crowd, as you yourselves already know. Therefore, Peter concludes with the basic confession of the Christian faith. Jesus is Lord. He, he, He says here in verse 36, therefore, all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And Jesus is sitting today, the Bible says, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. And one day he's going to come back as Lord and Messiah and make everything right again forever. And this is the good news. The good news is that Jesus is hope for a broken world. In Acts chapter two, Peter shares the good news of Jesus for the very first time. And in it we see that the good news is for everyone. 
We see that the good news is that Jesus brings hope to a broken world. And finally, good news invites a personal response. Look what happens next after Peter finishes his sermon. In verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. When the, when the crowd heard Peter's message, something happened inside of, inside of them. It, it says here in a text that they were cut to the heart. Like they, they felt this emotional pain of, of anxiety, of remorse, maybe inspiration. You know, they, they wanted to do something about what they just heard. You know, because this is exactly what good news does. Good news invites us to respond. And Peter says here, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And there are a few ways that, a people, that people can respond to the good news of Jesus. One is to believe in Jesus for the very first time. Jesus is inviting you to be a part of God's family. It, it says in the Bible that all who believe in him and accept him, he gave them the right to become children of God. That if we confess our sin to him, that Jesus is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us and he will purify us of all unrighteousness, and, and Jesus offers this to us. It's eternal life. It's a life with God that starts now and lasts forever someday in heaven. And so he is inviting you to believe in him and to welcome into your heart the Holy Spirit. Another way to respond is by being baptized. And we see that that happened right here in the text. People believed and that they were baptized. Now, baptizing, when you get baptized, it doesn't mean that somehow you miraculously receive more favor from God or that, you know, that you are more saved or anything like that. And baptism is an outward expression of an inward change that happens in our hearts when we believe in Jesus. It's a way that, that Jesus asked us to do this so that we would share with everybody our commitment to follow Christ because of what he's done for us. And that's a way that we identify him. As a person goes into the water and then comes back out of the water, we identify with Jesus who died for us and went to the grave and who rose again. It is an important part of our spiritual life journey. And so if, if you are feeling in your heart a desire to take that next step in your life journey, I encourage you to, to talk to the pastor. I don't know when the next baptism service would be here for, for the church, but talk to, to the pastor or, or one of the leaders here about when you can be baptized. 
So you can respond by believing in Jesus for the first time. You can respond by being baptized. A third way to respond is to share this good news with others. You know, our world is filled with so much bad news. And people desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus. And it's really the only kind of of news that can actually change a person's life. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that we can help other people right now. There are lots of needs, and we should look for lots of ways that we can help other people. But the very best way that we can help somebody is to help them find faith in Jesus Christ. And we can follow Peter's example. You know, it says here in verse 40, with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter lived in a really difficult time in world history. The the Roman government ruled most of the world and they were like a terrible, vicious and and corrupt uh, government. And then even in, um, in Israel at that time, there were a lot of factions that argued with each other and fought with each other and all of that would raise to a boiling point when there was a war between uh, Israel and Rome and millions of people died. And it's in that context that, that Peter shares the good news of Jesus. I mean, the good news of Jesus was the very best kind of news that the people needed to hear that day in Jerusalem. And it's still the very best kind of news that people need to hear today in America. The world we live in is divisive and broken and corrupt. And we have to be careful not to get sucked into all of the anger and the fighting and the bitterness because God has something better for us than that. The good news is that Jesus brings hope to this broken world. You know, when I was um, studying this, the, this text this week, you know, two verses that really, really stuck out to me were verses 26 and 27. I, I, I really wanted to relate, you know, to the emotions in these verses. It says, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the dead. You know, this world is, is messed up right now and, um, and, and we, we, we read about and we see the bad news and all the conflict that's going on and natural disasters and hurricanes and wildfires and um, it's easy to get down. But the good news is that Jesus brings hope to a broken world. And, and we can have hope and we can have peace and joy in our soul because we know the one day all of us who believe in him can spend eternity with God in heaven. And this good news isn't just for us. It's for everyone. We can have hope and peace in our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ. And so I urge you, receive the good news of Jesus today. Welcome him into your heart. Let him change your life. And then share that good news to others so that everyone can experience the joy of God. Will you pray with me? Lord God in heaven, I, just, I pray for our world right now. We are living in a really difficult world. 
And we pray, God, that the pandemic would come to an end. We pray that there would be peace. We pray that conflict would come to an end. But we know, Lord, we we know that Jesus came and he died for this broken world. And he died for me and he died for you and for all these people here. And so I just pray, God, that we would open our hearts to allow Jesus to come in and to change us. We confess, I confess, that I've done things that are wrong. And I ask, Lord, for you to forgive me. And I ask, God, that that we... um, would do better as being one family of God that can make a difference, can make a difference in towns like Tom's River, New Jersey, and like towns in, in uh, Pennsylvania and, Amer- and Maryland and, and across our region. And because uh, we know, God, that, that ultimately Jesus is the hope for this broken world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.